Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And we're thanking him for all that rain. Isn't that nice? Uh, what a nice treat to have this morning. As we join together in our worship now, may we lift up our uh, music, our prayers, our worship, all unto God till we come this day to give our worship and praise. Make a joyful noise, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord of Lords. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. I want to thank the Melody Makers for that uh, beautiful song, and uh, it was dedicated today in loving memory of Nancy Philipson, who taught them truly to always make a joyful noise. So we give thanks to that remembrance and their joyful singing. Let's uh, stand as we join in our singing as we turn in our hymn books to number 103, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise.
and the youth choirs are combining together to sing one of the most famous songs that Martin Luther ever wrote, A Mighty Fortress. I always think of it as the Great Reformation Hymn. They're singing for you because we're singing a, an updated version of this hymn that you all know very well, A Mighty Fortress.
this time, may the ushers come forward as we receive our gifts, tithes, and offerings.
God, we give you thanks and praise as we offer to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. We ask that you'll bless and multiply these, our gifts, that we be faithful to the ministry to which you have called us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. May we affirm our faith and joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from James 2, 18 through 24. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by his works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This is God's word to God's people. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks in the reading of your holy word. And we pray now that the power of your spirit will be upon that word to make it words not only heard, not only words we found on page with ink, but now living words in living hearts. And as the good seed that finds its way to good soil digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, may now this, the seed of the word of God, dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. Someone once asked me to elucidate on the meaning of the relationship between faith and works. And I told them the story of when I was in an English village of Lewes. It's on the south part of England in um, Berenil Porporo, which is in Cornwall. And uh, the town is called West and East Lewis. It's called two things because there's an estuary that comes in between them and the town is divided by the water. And the only way you can get from east to west or west to east is to take a car, which will take you maybe 15 or 20 minutes, or you can take a little boat just across, which will take you about five minutes. And they charge you about a pound to go across. And Tammy and I got aboard the boat and I noticed the oarsman had carved on one oar the word faith and on the other oar, he carved the word works. Now, curiosity led me to ask what the meaning of that was. And the old man replied, I'll show you. And dropping one oar, he plied the left one. And of course, that one said works. And it went around to the right or to the left, but in a circle. And he said, let that one go. And he took the other one called faith. And he began to ply it. And we went ahead, but went around right in a circle, said the old man to us, so you see, without faith and works together, one will spend their whole lives going around in circles. <laughs> a profound lesson from a seaman. 
And that reminds me of a true story about going around in circles and the sea that occurred between a U.S. naval ship and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland on a fogged-in day. The radio conversation was released by the Chief of Naval Operations on October 10, 1995. U.S. ship, please divert your course 0.5 degrees to the south to avoid collision. Canadian reply, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. U.S. ship, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadian reply, no, I say again, you divert your course. U.S. ship, this is the aircraft carrier USS Coral Sea. We are a very large warship of the U.S. Navy. Divert your course now. Canadian reply, this is a lighthouse. Your call. (laughs) (laughs) Ever have one of those days when you feel like you're going around in circles? and you're going to crash into land. Well, it was none other than Martin Luther, born 1483 and died 1546, who brought the issue to a head of the relationship between faith and works from which the Protestant Reformation sprung. Now, while the Methodist Church owes much to the Reformation, we're not really a Reformation church. We did not come out of Europe. We didn't come out of Germany. We didn't come out of the Lutheran movement. We came out of the marriage problems of Henry VIII 200 years later. But it was when Martin Luther and Henry VIII only dying a year after Luther in 1547, in defying the Catholic Church, formed the Church of England, which we Methodists would eventually come. Martin Luther told it like it was, so I'm saying, Marty, tell it like it was. And he changed the church and the world forever. So on this Reformation Sunday, I'd like to share the story of how on the 31st of October, 1517, on All Hallows Eve or Halloween, at the age of only 34, Martin Luther would stake everything, his reputation, his church, and almost his life, by posting on the door of the Church of Wittenberg his declaration called the 95 Theses. These theses or propositions were the basis of the protesters' reformation of the church or the Protestant Reformation. In his theses, the Protestant Reformation would declare three essential doctrines. First, we are justified by faith alone. That is, you cannot earn, you cannot pay for, you cannot be good enough, you cannot purchase God's forgiveness. It's a free gift through Jesus Christ. Second, every believer has direct access to God. You don't need a priest or a minister to pray, receive forgiveness, or be a mediator between yourself and God. You can go to God for yourself. And this brought forward the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, not just those who wear a dog collar and look like penguins. And third, the Bible is the sole authority both for faith and for life in the practice of the church and of the Christian. This meant that the Bible was not a closed book that could only be interpreted by the priest of the church, chained to the pulpit and locked with key and lock as it was at the time of Luther, but rather it was an open book in which each Christian 
could find in their own reading a clear understanding of a message from God. These three basic doctrines became the foundation of the Protestant Reformation when Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Catholic Church in 1521, brought before the church tribunal to be tried for heresy at the Diet of Worms, when asked to recant and take back his statements which he had written, would declare, Here stehe ich, ich kann nicht anders, Gott helfe mir. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. Of course, the Latin motto, salvo soli fide, salvation by faith alone, has become the call of the Protestant church since the last 400 years that Luther has died. But that doesn't mean that the church has always understood what it has meant. The difference between Protestants and Catholics on this doctrine is one of what I call equation. And there are even differences between different brands of the Protestant church. There are three doctrines or interpretations of justification before God and how we are made righteous. Now, justification is just a theological doctrine of how we are justified or made right before a righteous God. How does a person who is a sinner come before a righteous God and find forgiveness? Justification is God's act of removing the guilt and the penalty of our sin while at the same time declaring us righteous through Christ's atoning sacrifice. Thus, we are justified by faith and not works. Now, here are the equations. The Catholic Church has often taught and often still teaches that the equation is faith plus works equals justification, that you need both to be justified. And this is something which the Protestant Church has not accepted. But very often it seems to most people that the Protestant Church just teaches the opposite. That is that faith minus works equals justification. But that is not quite right either. What has happened is that we have become like the oarsman in his boat, rowing with one oar, going nowhere except in circles, in the church, in our Christian lives, in doing the work of the kingdom of God in our midst. Salvation is by justification, by faith alone in Jesus Christ indeed, but it is not minus works. And therefore, I see the correct biblical doctrine as this, that faith plus justification by Christ equals works of faith. Let me say that again. Faith plus justification by Christ equals works of of faith. The order is very important. Faith first by which we are saved and through which we are justified before God, which then produces Christian works that show and give evidence that we are indeed saved and justified. So it is, after all, as it is in the book of St. James in verse 18 says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I by my works will show you my faith. And then verse 26 for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. There is no escaping it. Unless we row with both oars at the same time, our Christian lives, as well as the doctrine of justification by faith alone, we will simply go around in circles. Your faith will never grow, the church will never effectively minister, and we may just end up fooling ourselves about what grace by faith means. It's time to stop rowing the boat around in circles 
It's time to grab both oars at once and row together. It's the only way. It's God's way. I believe that's biblical faith because these great foundations that we remember on this Reformation Sunday are only as good as the fact that as we understand that we do not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, that we have splintered ourselves on doctrinal issues over the last 500 years since Luther, that Christianity continually, unfortunately, has taken a flavor of only one's individualized religion and faith in the great historic creeds, the apostolic witness to Christ, and the context of Christians in a body larger than themselves has been lost. Thus has resulted in the problem today where anyone can say, God told me so, rather than hearing what the church has said, what the church has struggled with, and realizing that God speaks forth from this. To do otherwise is to have a cheap imitation of the costly price paid to show how much God loved us at the cross of Calvary. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Lutheran German minister, who two weeks before the end of World War II in a concentration camp, by the express order of Herr Führer, Adolf Hitler himself was hung by the neck before his concentration camp was liberated by the Allies. He was in America. He was safe. No one could get to him. But he declared that he could not stand with the historic church if he hid his life in America and went back to Germany stood for the confession of faith, stood against Hitler, and for standing for the faith and for the truth, was imprisoned in the concentration camp and ultimately executed. Before his death, smuggled out of the camp, which would later be reprinted after his death, were his works. One of the things he wrote was this, Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Christ Jesus living and incarnate. Only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. <coughs> Obedience in Bonhoeffer's situation meant putting his life on the line to identify with Christ's radical love. This Reformation Sunday, we are called, especially as we celebrate this Holy Communion, to a new understanding of those three important things that the Reformation taught us so long ago. That we celebrate communion indeed as we celebrate all of our lives as part of one another. The Apostles' Creed contains a phrase that says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now that's not the Holy Roman Church, that is the Catholic Church, the universal spirit of everyone called together to worship Jesus Christ. You see, this is why the Methodist Church has never said, we are the only true church of God, the only true expression of faith, because we join together with every other profession of faith, no matter what they call themselves, if they meet at the foot of the cross, they understand the power of justification by faith, and we understand that we're called together under the Lordship of Christ by the teaching of Scripture, 
we have fellowship with every other denomination and every other person. The reason why our communion table is always open to everyone, no one, no matter your denomination, no matter the membership of the church in which you are part of, is denied from this table, the Methodist Church, because all are welcome to receive if their heart is right with Christ. And so today, as we celebrate this Holy Communion, we are brought face to face with the reality of God's love to us. For yes, we are saved by grace through faith alone, but we give thanks to God for his love expressed through the gratitude that by the acts of our faith, we show forth that we have been saved by that faith. For indeed, faith without works is a dead faith. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather here for you have brought to us once more on this Reformation Sunday to the truth of your word and the truth of this Holy Communion that we are called together as one with every other believer in Christ who comes with him and through him to worship the living Christ. Amen. And so we gather this morning at the table to celebrate, celebrate the sacrament, to join with others the world over, and remember the night that Christ was with his disciples when he took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. And following supper, Jesus took the cup of wine, he raised it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. Merciful and loving God, we give you thanks and praise as we come to the table that we might receive more than simple elements of bread and juice, but the reality of your presence in our lives, your mercy and your grace poured out through the cross to know that our sins are forgiven. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for on this day we profess the mystery of our faith. Knowing that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So we ask, Lord, that you meet us here. Prepare our hearts to receive your grace through these elements, through this gift of the sacraments. That we too might raise our voices, proclaiming a loud hosanna with your heavenly hosts. Glorious God, we prepare our hearts to meet you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
Eternal God, we give you thanks, having gathered together here today on this Reformation Sunday to remember the great heritage that we are a part of, remembering things that are important to faith, and having shared together this Holy Communion with churches all around the world who also celebrate this Reformation Sunday with us, may we always truly be one in spirit, one in faith, and one in Christ. And now hear us, O God, as we join together in the prayer that you have taught us that we might pray as we say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>
Now may God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit bless and keep you and send you forth this day to love and to serve for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you.